right, happy birthday, Jesus. That's why we're here. That's what we're celebrating. It's about Jesus. If you're a guest with us, welcome. My name is Al. I'm one of the pastors here. It's an honor for you to be here. It's an honor for me to preach. Uh, we love Jesus, and we love him every single week. Uh, we love celebrating his coming, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. Uh, everything we do is about Jesus, and so today is like an exclamation mark. So every one of my points will have an exclamation mark because it's, a, it's an exciting day. If I get overly excited uh, and get a little intense, that's why. This is a great day. So Merry Christmas. If you're a guest with us in the, or if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hands. Uh, one of our ushers will bring you one. If you don't own one, uh, it's our gift to you. If you, if you don't uh, want to raise your hand, uh, there's one on the, the Bible verses will be on the screen. Uh, they'll be you'll, there for you to follow along. And so Merry Christmas is the big idea. We're celebrating Jesus. I, I, we typically go through verses uh, book by book, verse by verse through the Bible. So we'll do a little bit of that today. We're ending a series called King of Kings. We've been looking at the reality that Jesus was not made king, but born king. He was born king. The, the prophets spoke of that before our time. The angels declared that to Mary and Joseph prior to the conception of Jesus. Jesus, when he was born, King Herod understood he was born king and saw him to be a threat over his kingdom and sought to kill him. Uh, we saw last week that even when Jesus was hung up on the cross, that they, they, they put a title above the cross that said, the, the king of the Jews, Jesus is emphatically, clearly, uh, specifically king. And it's been told not just before Jesus, but uh, before he was born, but throughout his entire life in ministry, it was echoed over and repeated over and over again that Jesus Christ is king. Upon his resurrection, we're even told in the Great Commission that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, uh, meaning he is the king, the ruler and reigner, the one who rules and reigns now. And so, if you will, let's, we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verse 6 and 7. If you've got a Bible, turn there. It says this, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. I want, I want you to see this. This is for us. I want you to see this, this reality. This is the gift of Christmas. Jesus himself, born, given. He is the gift. The great Protestant reformer Martin Luther said it this way. This is, this is for us is the hardest point. So everything I'm going to say after uh, uh, this is, is tied up into this reality that Jesus is for us. So everything we're going to talk about him being the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. I want you to, those are great things and we will talk about them extensively. But what, what you need to see first before you hear those is that it is for us. It's the, and, and Luther says it's the hardest point. Not so much that we believe that Jesus is the son of the virgin and God himself, but to believe that this son of God is ours. For unto us a son is a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. This is him, king. This Isaiah is writing 700 years before the birth of Christ. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The child born king is Jesus our Savior. 
Isaiah is, is, is speaking to this reality of his, his eternal kingdom, his everlasting kingdom, his, his rule and reign, the government of his kingdom, there will be no end. And in, a, in that government himself, he's putting the weight and responsibility on his own shoulders. Jesus Christ takes the weight of humanity. The, the, he takes the weight of our sin. And he takes the responsibility as the governing ruler. And he rules like this as a wonderful counselor as a mighty God, as the everlasting Father, and as the Prince of Peace. So we're going to talk about these four titles that Isaiah is assigning to Jesus here, uh, and then we're going to look at his kingdom and how it will never end. So first, wonderful counselor means this, that Jesus is our wise counsel. For, for to, unto us, this child was born, Jesus for us is our wise counsel. You ever need counsel? You ever need counsel? You ever need advice? You ever need, you know, I'm making a decision, I need to go which way to go? See, Jesus is not just a counselor, but he is wonderful counselor. Wonderful meaning literally awe, wonder, like glory, extraordinary, marvelous, surpassing all others. The type of counsel that Jesus gives is, is is the exact wisdom of God. Jesus isn't just acquainted with the counsels of God, but he is himself the wisdom of God. This is, this is the type of counsel we get from our King Jesus. Jesus gives counsel to the children of God. And he, he's concerned about our, our care, for caring for us. He's concerned about our, our welfare. Have you ever been to a counselor, sought counsel from someone, and, you've, and you, you, you trust that they cared for you? But you're like, man, I don't know if they, they know me. I don't think they understand what I'm going through. I feel like they just don't understand what's going on. Ever been there? Some of you are like, if that's the case, I don't want counsel from that person. But I need you to see this, that Jesus loves you and cares for you and knows everything about you. He even knows uh, the, the, the amount of hairs on your head. I know for some that's few, but for, I see some of you guys, you got more. He knows more about your head than mine. I get it. But he also knits you together, the scriptures tell us. This, he knits you together in your mother's womb. He is so intimately acquainted with your creation, your your being, your birth, your life. He upholds the world by his power. The the very breath you just breathed was given out and governed and overseen by by Jesus Christ, the wonderful counselor. He's our wise counsel. And so he cares for you. He understands what you're going through. In fact, we're told that in the scriptures that he was, he was tempted in every way we've been tempted, yet without sin. He knows the struggle you're going through. He, we're told also that he can sympathize with our weakness. This is, the, this is the counsel of our God. This is the counsel of our King. Our wise counsel, Jesus, has come to our rescue. And he, he wants you to know today that he's been made available to you for counsel. For ongoing, continual abiding relationship with him where you seek him, you know him, and you, 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 seek, you, you hear about his, his wisdom, the, the wisdom of God through his word. It's available to you. The wise counsel of God is at your fingertips. Jesus has spoken. The spirit has written God's word for us, for our edification, for our uplifting, our, our building up, for, to equip us in every season. This is the wisdom of God. Additionally, we've been made right with God through faith in Jesus, and therefore we can approach him. We can approach God, meaning we can pray. We can even process. How many of you are verbal processors? You're like, I don't need a counselor. I just need someone to just talk to. 
And I really don't need them to say much back. I really don't really need them to say a lot, but I just need to be able to talk out my thoughts. Without judgment, without condemnation, I, I, I just need to talk about it. And you, maybe you have a few friends where you, you just you do that. You verbal process and you start at one position and then by the time you end your, your verbal processing, you have arrived at where you started you don't longer agree with and now you, you, you believe something different by the end. You see things differently after you've processed it. You understand maybe someone's motives weren't maybe ill intent at you, but in the moment you feel like, man, this guy's after me. This, 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 this person is, is, is saying these evil things about me or uh, this situation happened at my work with my boss and I just, I don't believe the best in them. But after I process through it, I realize I can kind of understand what's going on. I need you to understand for you verbal processors, Jesus is the one you should run to first to, to process your pain. Far too often you, you process your pain with your spouse or a loved one or someone near you and, you, and all they know about the pain and, or the situation you're going through is, is how hard it is. Because for verbal processors, y'all don't ever process the good stuff. Y'all don't ever celebrate the victories. You just process, there's nothing to process if you're victorious. So what this can happen is those friends and family in your life, they can, they can hear perhaps it's your boss or a coworker or, or someone like that. And you come home every day processing your job and your work uh, with them. And they're like, man, my, my husband or my wife, they hate their job. And they're like, no, I don't hate my job. Like, well, you never say anything good about it. Well, no, I love my job. I just, I love my boss. It's, it's, it's a great work environment. I just, I only tell you the things that I, I'm, I'm working through. I'm, I'm struggling to process. See, far too often we run to people to process our pain instead of the Lord Jesus, who is the, the wonderful counselor. Jesus is our wise counsel. Process your pain with Jesus in prayer. Process your victories with him in prayer. Process your sin with him in prayer. If he's already died in your place for your past, present, and future sin, that means that when you become aware of your sin, you can, willful, you can, you can freely approach him without the fear of condemnation or shame. He's, he has the scars he already has the, he's already been put to death on behalf, on your behalf for those sins. He understands them. He's forgiven them. Process that with Jesus. He is your wonderful counselor. Additionally, he is your mighty God. Jesus is our mighty God. The original audience here is, is ancient Israel, who uh, Isaiah has previously talked about. They've, they've been walking in darkness and captivity. They're looking for hope. And Isaiah is telling them, the mighty God is coming. The mighty God is coming. So when they hear the word mighty, some of them are probably thinking about the stories of old where they heard of God's people being rescued out of slavery in Egypt, where God mightily delivered them out of the hands of the Egyptian Pharaoh and rescued them from slavery and then parted the Red Sea by its mighty right hand and power and delivered them uh, across the Red Sea on dry land and, and, and overthrew the walls of Jericho to bring victory in, in a promised land for his people. They're probably thinking about the mighty hand, the stories they've told of, of the mighty hand of God at work, and they're waiting, they're longing for the mighty hand of God to be revealed to them, and they hear that there's the one coming who's going to be born to them, a mighty God. Friends, Jesus is our mighty God. He has come. He has come. Christmas, at Christmas, we were reminded this, that God himself ceased to it, to enter into the brokenness of human history and the messiness of our lives. He doesn't avoid the pain. He doesn't avoid sin. He doesn't avoid the mess we've made, but rather he enters directly into it willfully. He enters into the mess we've made. 
Some of you need to hear that today. That Jesus isn't afraid of you or your sin. He isn't afraid of your baggage or your brokenness. He isn't afraid of the brokenness of our country. He isn't afraid of the pain you find yourself in. He isn't, he isn't afraid of the insecurities you have or the hopelessness you feel. Jesus is very much aware of them and he's come after you to rescue you, to help you, to be present with you, to wield his mighty might and right hand in blessing and favor upon you. Jesus is, is, is God, the most powerful being in all of human history. I need you to see this, that if Jesus can handle your sin problem, he can handle any of your problems. There's none like our God. If you are in Christ, he is for you. And so this Jesus being our mighty God means this. It means that Jesus is mighty to do what you can't do. Namely, to accomplish the Father's will perfectly on your behalf. You ever read the Old Testament laws, the moral, dietary, ceremonial laws, and you thought, I could do that? If, if you have, then you haven't read it probably, but uh, it's likely that you haven't. Uh, you, you haven't said that, uh, I can do that. But if you did, uh, maybe, maybe uh, you, you would reconsider after a, a further reading of that. But what about the Big Ten, the, the Ten Commandments? You look, read through the, the Ten Commandments said, you know, yeah, I got those, but every once in a while, you know, I struggle with, with one of these one of these 10. See, we can't keep God's law perfectly. And since we couldn't keep God's law perfectly, someone must do it on our behalf. Jesus was mighty to do this for us on our behalf. He was born into the same world we were born into, but yet he was born and he did not sin. He was obedient to God the Father completely his entire life. He is mighty to accomplish for us what we could not do ourselves. We could not keep the law of God perfectly, but he did for us. To give us his righteousness, his perfection as a gift to be received through faith. Jesus is mighty to also overcome sin and Satan and death and the grave. After being brutally murdered and crucified and put to death, Jesus was, did not stay dead more than three days, but was risen victorious by God the Father. In doing so, the New Testament repeatedly tells us that Jesus, in, in Jesus' resurrection, Jesus disarmed Satan. He put uh, open to public shaming him in the principalities of darkness. That means Satan and demons, though they, they still attack, they're like a venomous snake whose head's been chopped off. It still might bite you, still might cause some harm, but the power of the, of the serpent has been crushed with a lethal, mighty blow by King Jesus' victorious resurrection on the cross. Jesus, our mighty God, was mighty to do that on our behalf. Additionally, sin separated us from God, and, and, and Jesus was, was mighty to save us from our own sin, to deliver us from our past, our present, our future sin. And so through faith, Faith in Jesus, that mighty accomplishment on the cross can be yours. Additionally, he defeated death. And those who have faith in Jesus as well, though Christ died and was risen, though we die, will be raised. Additionally, Jesus, our mighty God, this means that Jesus is mighty to save you personally. You today, you to rescue you in real time today. He's mighty to forgive you. See, there's more mercy and grace in Jesus than there is sin in you. Some of you, you just can't understand that. You're like, if you just knew 
what I've done, if you just knew what I've gone through, if you just knew the deep, dark secrets in my closet, then you would not say this. Friend, I, I don't know. But Jesus does. He does, he's, but, but he, he looks upon you seeing your fallenness, your sin, your pride, your rebellion against him. said, I want that man, I want that woman to be in my life and into my family. And I will pay for them to be in my family with my life. That's love. That's the mighty love of Christ our King. Additionally, Jesus isn't just mighty to save us and then just leave us on our own. He's mighty to protect us. He's even mighty to protect us from ourselves. Some of you, you, you know this to be true, that, that Jesus has protected you from yourself in many ways that you've, you, more than you can count. Some of you don't know that, but you have been. God has mightily protected you from your, your own foolishness and your, and your own self. We're told in 2 Timothy 2 that, that Jesus is, is mighty to, uh, when we are faithless, he is faithful. He is faithful. Additionally, he is mighty to sustain you. Philippians 1, 6, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. See, if you were in Christ, though you may feel this last year, you look back on your life this year and you say, man, I don't know if I've taken steps forward. In fact, I actually, I've willfully taken steps backward. I've rebelled against Jesus here and there. And so I just, I just don't know that I can, I can finish walking with Jesus. I just, I'm just struggling to endure. Take heart. Jesus is mighty to sustain you. Philippians 1.6 tells us that Jesus who began a good work will complete it. He will complete it. Not you. He's wielding his might to sustain you, to protect you. Which leads us to, to the next point. Jesus reveals to us God as Father. See, a father is a benevolent protector whose task is to protect his children. To lovingly tect, protect his children. See, the birth of Christ is, in, is, is the revealing of the coming Savior to rescue us and then to adopt us into a family. To, to, to adopt us into a royal family, a heavenly family. If you're in Christ, you're the king's kid. You're a royal priesthood. You are a part of the king's family. And Jesus Christ has, has adopted you through his, through his sin-atoning sacrifice. Through your faith in him, you've been brought into the family, which means that you now have a father, a perfect father. God is father. We see, we see this repeatedly through the New Testament. Jesus referring to God as father. Some of you struggle because your earthly father you've had, you've had rough relationships with. Some of you are a father and you're like, man, if this is what God the Father is like, I don't, I'm struggling. Well, here's the good news. God the Father is not like your earthly father or like you as a father. And even if you're a really, really great father, God the Father is even better. He's even better. He, 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 he loves you unconditionally and perfectly. He cares for you benevolently. And he will protect you, his child. We've been adopted into a family. Jesus wanted you into the family. And so here, what we see is this, this protector, father, king. If you are in Christ, that means that, that he is wielding his love and his might and his power for your good, for his glory, and for your perseverance and your, your, your preservation. This is Jesus, your protector. He says it this way in, in the Gospel of John, that no one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. Like, God the Father has such a grip on you that no one can snatch you out. And guess what? You can't 
bust his grip and get out of his hand either. He's protecting you from yourself, from the enemy, from lies, from deceit. That's the type of king we have, one who is wielding his might for our protection and revealing to us God as Father. Jesus is our our peace. So if you're protected under the mighty hand of God, where God is using his might to benevolently love us as, as, a, as a father would a son uh, or a daughter, lovingly care for his family, guess what reigns in your heart and your mind? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, is available to you. Jesus' reign is our peace. Jesus' reign is our peace. So we're told in Isaiah that he, is, he would be the prince of peace. Well, the Prince of Peace is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. He's risen victorious. He's not, we're not waiting for him to come, but he has come, and he has established his rule and reign now. His peace is, is reigning now. Now, this word peace, it means wholeness. It doesn't mean just lack of war. It means, it means wholeness or completeness. What I want you to Picture this, uh, and not, when you think of peace, oftentimes you think of like a, a serene uh, scene, a, a beach, you know, where, where, is, where is it quiet, where, is the, where the ocean waves, you know, what, where's the mountaintop, I'm just out alone and just, it's peaceful. The peace that God gives is a peace that, that, is, that, is, that is kind of like a bird sitting in a, a tree, in its nest, protected, from, by, by, the, by the, the leaves of the tree, by the protection of the tree. And when the winds, and, when the winds are howling and the, the thunder is, is, is rolling and the lightning is flashing and everything around it seems chaotic, that bird is protected in the nest uh, in, in, under the shadow of the tree. And it's birds. Or the, what are the baby birds? Sorry, the chicks or whatever. forgive me, Um, they're protected under the wings of its mother or father. It can be crazy out there, but there's peace reigning. This is what God gives his children. Through Jesus, we have a peace that can reign over our hearts and minds, a joy that cannot be stolen. While the world may rage, while the nations rage, while, while chaos and, and turmoil and circumstances may not be ideal, God has given us access to a peace that can rule our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus because of Jesus' coming and his victorious reign. Jesus' peace is given to us in the wholeness and restoring first our relationship with God. Then it gives us power to restore our relationships with one another. You have peace with one another, your siblings. Christmas time, oftentimes we're, we're aware of the, 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 the relational drama and conflict we may have in our family units by the power of the Holy Spirit given to us by the reign of our King Jesus. We have the ability to make peace with others in ways in which we would never be able to without the power of God. See, this peace that, that is to rule us is not simply circumstantial. This is a peace that's, that's restorative in the middle of hardship. It's a peace with God. We're no longer enemies with God, but we're, we're friends and we're sons and daughters. 
And so in this context, the nations uh, uh, are, are being told in this context of Isaiah that the nations must rely on, on Jesus, the one who has come, if they want to receive peace, wholeness, restoration. That the nations would be, if they were, would be ruled by the just decision and law of God, they would find peace among themselves. See, we're in a day and age, in a, in a time in history, that, that is the same, which is exactly very similar to this day and age, in which there's darkness around us. People are looking for hope. They don't know which way's up and down. They don't know who to trust. Yet we have God who's come to us. Christmas, we were reminded that Jesus has condescended to us, and he is our wise counsel. We can have the counsel of God. And if you're feeling weak and you feel like you're in the middle of a struggle, you have the mighty hand of God who can wield and protect and care and seek and save you. Additionally, we have a family that God has brought us into, that we have brothers and sisters. If you know, love, and trust Jesus, we're part of the family together where we can love and serve one another in the peace of Christ that, that can rule our hearts and minds. This is something that, that we're all longing for, that Jesus came to give to us to then to disperse to any and everyone who would listen and hear. The nations would be changed. The world would be changed by relying upon Jesus. For unto us he has come. That does not mean he has come for Americans only. Us is the, the plural for anyone who's reading it. Jesus came to save the world. The world. He's not the ruler and reign. He doesn't just rule and reign your heart, your mind, your life, your family. He rules the world. The entire world is ruled by King Jesus. Let's look at verse 6 and verse 7. Long live the king. Isaiah says it this way. The government shall be upon his shoulders. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. No end in the Hebrew means no end. Guess when it stops? It doesn't. When has it been enacted? Upon the, the birth of Christ, the coming of Christ brought the, brought the kingdom of Christ. Some of you are waiting for the kingdom. You're in it. Look around. You want to know what the kingdom looks like? This. Like, ah, that's not what I wanted it to look like. Yeah, well, you're a part of it. Pick up. <laughs> start helping out. Fix the kingdom. If you don't like what it looks like, then blame yourself. Like, this is what it looks like. We're the king's kids. The kingdom has come. The kingdom reign of Jesus is now. Is he coming back and will he rule eternity? Absolutely. But he will rule and in, in, in we'll be with him in a new heaven, in a new earth. Right now we are practicing for that new heaven and new earth, but yet he still reigns right now as king. And, of, and, and it says, of the increase of his government and of peace, which is that wholeness, that shalom, that, that, that restoration that we just talked about, there will be no end. Meaning that Jesus doesn't stop growing his kingdom. His kingdom keeps advancing with power. And it doesn't stop. And it doesn't end. And it will keep going and going and going. 
This is great news. See, we are not like those who are reading this for the first time in Isaiah who are longing and waiting for this day. We are those who have heard the news, who have seen uh, the, the reality that Jesus has come, who, who can testify that his spirit has been given, that we have been changed, we have been adopted, we have been forgiven, we have been cleansed, we have been saved, and that Jesus reigns not just in our heart, but he reigns over the entire humanity. And he's seated on the throne, just like it says here, of, of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts, we're told, will do this. The kingdom has come. The king is reigning. He has established his kingdom in the hearts of people. And the rule of his government, the rule of this kingdom is, is on his shoulders. You're like, if you're like me, you can't trust the government, any of them. You, you can't. Why should, I, why should we trust this governing ruler? Well, this king is the exact wisdom of God. He is our wonderful counselor. He has used his might and his power to seek and save us who were lost. What king has ever done that? He has ushered us into a royal family. He has given his life. He died in our place for our sins to welcome us into his heavenly family. He has made and given us peace with God, satisfying the wrath of God, offering us eternal life and, and, and dwelling with him in his kingdom forever to which he will protect and keep us. There's no one like our God. There's no one like King Jesus. He is ruling and reigning and that is the best news we could ever hear. If that's not good news to you, and I pray that you'd really consider what it would be like for you to hear good news. If the good news of Jesus reigning is not good news to you, my fear is that you don't know what good is. That you've been discipled by our culture to wrongly understand what good is. You think that freedom is the absolute reign of your own kingdom where you don't interact and no one interferes with you. True freedom is in submission to this man, Jesus Christ, the King, where he benevolently rules and reigns and leads you. And he's given us an assignment. He's given us, the King's, kid an assign, the King's kids, an assignment to continue the ministry that he began. When Jesus says in Matthew 28 that all authority, the King, has been given to Jesus, the King, to go and make disciples of all nations, all nations, every single one, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey all that he has commanded. When we've been given that task, that mission, what we've been given is this, this task to, of the increase of his government, there will be no end. Jesus' kingdom advances through the gospel, through the, the person and work of Jesus, it advances through the discipleship of the nations. It, it, it advances through God's people believing God and his word and obeying it and teaching others to observe or obey it until Christ returns. The question I have for us as we end the year is that as you enter into the next year, whose kingdom will you be pushing forward? Will it be yours your small kingdom or will it be Christ's kingdom? 
See, your kingdom will come to an end. His will not. Your kingdom is, is built upon your power. His kingdom is built upon his power. There's none like our God. God's desire is for his family to grow, to increase, not just the local church family, but globally, the increase of his government and of his rule and of his peace and of his kingdom, there shall be no end. And so, this is the God, this is the king, this is the one, this is the man whom we worship. Jesus' kingdom will not decrease. It will only increase. I pray that gives you great hope. I pray that gives you great hope. And you know what? It doesn't matter about your power to make that happen. It's his power that will make it happen. All you gotta do is say, I wanna be a part of it. Put me in the game. I wanna be in. If you say, like Isaiah says, hey, send me, Lord, I'll go. I'm ready. Just wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I'm all in. He will use you to advance his kingdom and increase it in probably ways that more than you can even ask or imagine. That's the question I have for you as you end the year. Will you be a part of the kingdom? Will you, will you seek its increase or you sit back and wait and do nothing and watch everyone else get to see the blessings of the kingdom? See, you're either, either gonna play a part or Jesus is gonna pick someone else to play a part. Guess what's not gonna happen? His kingdom decrease. It will only increase. It will continue to move forward with great power and glory. And this is what excites me about the coming of King Jesus, that we have this promise that his reign will not end. That means no matter what I'm going through, whatever hardship I'm feeling, whatever, whatever uh, pain I'm in, whatever circumstance I'm in, whatever, when it, things look bleak, look dark, look grim, look like I cannot get out of the circumstance situation I am in, I have this great promise that Jesus who began a good work will bring it to completion. He will continue to finish what he has started. He will see to it that his kingdom will not end, that no, the gates of hell, we're told, cannot stand against it, and he will continue to move forward with great power and great glory, and then more people will be adopted into his family. More people will experience God as Father. More people will experience the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, not just for their salvation, but for their daily lives as they continue Continue to live as citizens of a different nation of the kingdom and it will continue to move with great might and power because he is the mighty God and guess what will rule the kingdom the counsel of God he is our wise counsel this is great hope this is good news I hope you see it so what we're going to do now is we're going to respond in worshiping Jesus as king we're going to worship him as king and I pray that this would put steel in your spine and hope on your horizon as you see Jesus is the true gift of Christmas. And then you would see that any opportunity you have to share that joy, that blessing, that gift with others so that more can see and experience Jesus as the wonderful counselor, mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you rule our hearts and minds right now, captivate us, Again and again, would you speak to us in our doubts and discouragement? Would you uplift our, our, our weariness and our downcastness? Would you heal uh, areas of our heart that, that we have hidden and concealed? Would you move quickly to us, showing us your benevolent love and grace? Help us to see that there's more mercy and grace in you Jesus, then sin in us. And as we go to the table, remembering your sin-atoning sacrifice, may we rejoice with great gladness that, Jesus, you are victorious. 
We pray this in your name. Amen.